Welcome to the Leadership Drip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to our table, but before we do, could you do us a favor and hit the subscribe button? And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Leadership Drip. Jeff, we have a very unique episode that we're recording today. One, because we have a returning guest, which is not something we've done often on the show. Two, we're actually recording this live. Well, not live, but it's in my office. We're all I mean, together. We are all alive this recording. Is, so <laughs> this, is, this is not in Zoom land. Like They are here. They are in the house. They are with us. And I'm super pumped. And so we want to say welcome back. To the leadership drip, Ellie Bonilla Jr. How's yeah. it going, bud? Man, this is great to see actual faces in right? real life. Odd, uh, it, and I'm so glad to be a. I, I guess a returning, a returning guest, guest is very. That's you said. It's rare. It's rare. Oh wow! Yeah, only for and, the elite and in person and in person. That's so exactly. wow. There are layers to this. I don't know. The last in-person guest was. Bruce Deal? Bruce Deal. did a solo Bruce show with Bruce Deal. And we had Grayson, Grayson Russell. Russell on the show. Oh, Grayson, yeah. yeah. But, it, uh, like, since then, it's been all pandemic. And it's been yeah. hard to get anybody in studio mm. with us. Um, we just so happened that Ellie was our chapel speaker today. That's right. Brought fire. Yeah. Go so to university.edu slash chapel. Is that how you find it? I don't know. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> he just throwing out random <laughs> websites. Yeah, who knows what they're going to find with that? <laughs> is that he throw it out there? And he's uh, like, maybe, maybe that's where it is. It's uh, leeuniversity.edu. Uh, yeah, you just can like, find it there. Yeah. Then search chapel or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say, you yes. can do that on Google, the university chapel. You'll probably find it. Yeah, you'll probably maybe. find it. But it was good. It was a, it was a powerful <laughs> message today. It was, it was awesome and very Thank timely. You. Very timely. Thank you. But since you've been on the show, I think I looked it up as episode eight. Eight. Mm. So we've, we're on like 76, 76. Wow. Yeah. Like we're, we're real. Like we're for real on it. Wow. Um, a lot's changed in your life though. So update us with where you are, what's going on. Wow. Um, I guess my, my question would be, where was I? Was I living in Texas the last time? I think you were. Yeah. That, that with we talked, your dad, I think. You yeah, were, yeah, yeah. I was at, at working full time. My my father. I've I've since transitioned. It was a good transition. Right. So no falling out. Yeah. Love my dad. Preached there uh, on occasion, pretty regularly, as, as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, I'm currently getting my master's, full time master's student uh, at Southeastern Online, um, while working full time at a ministry called One Hope global ministry reaching the next gen down in fort lauderdale so i'm i'm down in uh fort lauderdale uh paradise beaches you know a lot of sand so one hope you kind (laughs) of talked a little bit about it today in chapel but um it's a really cool uh, ministry it's a really cool organization right so you threw out a little bit of metrics which i thought were impressive Uh, also one hope offers uh for college students that are listening paid internships Mm -hmm. Uh, and in some occasions, fellowships, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully those will be back in full. Uh, yeah, we're, soon, we actually, yeah, we have a fellowship going on okay, right good, now good, good. Uh, for, and people from, from all over the place. So yeah. those are definitely, those rhythms are opening back up as well. So yeah. so we have those opportunities, but yeah. And you guys do ministry with One Hope literally around the world. We're talking like literally around the world. Almost every nation almost on every Earth. nation, yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're out there. Uh, you know, one of the metrics I gave, uh, we reached 135 million young people wow. with God's word with scripture engagement. That means measurable engagement not just the handing of a bible to somebody uh but in a measurable way a student was able to connect with scripture in a real way yeah and there are various ways you measure that uh country to country you know but uh there is a actual intentional engagement with the scriptures uh and the needle was moved in a direction and that's how it counted so 135 a million That's is incredible. where we were at. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're also still rolling with uh, another one of our favorite show guests, yeah. Pastor Sammy Rodriguez. Yes, I He's am. just a fireball of a leader, man. He's incredible. Oh, man. Yes, I am. I'm, uh, I'm running full speed ahead with him, was just with him in Sacramento uh, for our national board uh, meeting up there uh, at his conference at his church. And yeah, it, it's wild. It is wild how much 
he can do. Hey, I don't know if he mentioned this on the podcast that you had him, but he's a producer now. Yeah. yeah. He's running several movie, movies that are down the pipeline, produced already a, a couple. And yeah, yeah we were screen testing was, Rob on I, that episode. I totally want to audition for a movie. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we <laughs> did screen test yet. that episode. Like, I totally want, like, it's like a secret, like, I, I wish I could, desire. I, I wish I could put in a good word with you. I'm, I'm barely uh, at the point of being able to go on set to see it. Yeah. And so I, as I move through the ranks, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I will remember you. Like, I, I, will, <laughs> I will remember you. When I come into, you yeah. will be with me also yeah. with yeah. a script like, in Pastor hand. Pastor Sammy, I'm your guy. Like, <laughs> like, you know, if you need like the... The, uh, you're, you're moving up to the top of the to the top of the list. Any if role, I have anything any to say role about that it. has a dad dad bod feature in it. Hey, come I'm on, your guy. That's, that should be like every Christian that's, movie. <laughs> <laughs> so things oh, are well, and you've, yeah. you've also had a a new baby since yeah. the last time you were on the show. Yeah, you know we we, we take after our uh, our cultures. You know, my wife being Arab, me being Latino, we were fruitful and we multiplied. And every time I jump on here, I have another kid to report. And I have a son now, and it's been uh, it's been great. So, Moving to two is so. In chapel this different. morning, you gave the full yeah. contextual ethnic name. Yeah. So for our audience, let let's have the full the full name. Yeah, his name is Ezekiel Eliezer Rafat Bonia. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even gonna try. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. The guy, the guy from from Waukegan, Illinois, <laughs> is not even gonna attempt it. Yeah, like I, 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 I a lot and of that name's throwing. Yeah, I was gonna say that name's throwing a lot of curveballs <laughs> yeah, all yeah. over the place, and so like, like I, yeah, I, I, a lot of ethnic names. That one I'm not gonna even give an effort to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's kind of <laughs> jump into some content here because I think I think you know you and I have been talking over the last couple of days. You've just kind of been on campus and mm -hmm. around and. Uh, I think we're kind of hitting on a lot of the same sort of markers that Gen Z is ad being both identified as, but also yep. the sort of the things that they're displaying mm -hmm. in their generation when it comes to uh, faith, when it comes to culture and how those two kind of intersect and collide in so many ways. Right. And I think even your message today, as you talk about being built in Babylon, a lot of things that were done here, here on campus with the exiles movement and really kind of, digging into that narrative of of what it means to live out your faith in a culture that that you were sort of taking captive into right and so mm -hmm. so kind of talk to me you know since the last time you were on the show like yeah. what are some of those big things that you're seeing uh, with gen z with our culture how they're engaging faith you can share sort of the challenging ones or even some of the exciting ones like the yeah. cool things that are happening too so let's hit on some of those markers and kind of kind of let me know what you're seeing yeah, I think that there is definitely a um, man. There's just such a high level of entrepreneurship within Gen mm -hmm. Z. Uh, one of the phrases that uh, has, has surfaced is they are um, publishers and not consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's with the advent of social media, you have the opportunity now more than ever to create. Right. You know, whether that's in one line phrases on Twitter, uh, TikTok videos, full length uh, movies that they're that young people, teenagers that are producing on YouTube. That are getting millions of hits so there's some there's some youtube movies that are getting more hits than your hollywood blockbuster mm. wow. you know there's just so much access to to creating and um you know i i think that this generation being uh what i would say and i think the the term is digital natives has a lot to do with that mm. um millennials for for me and i'm on the younger millennial side but even even for me i'm only about I'm about to be 30 in uh, a couple a couple months, but even for us, we we had to immigrate into uh, the digital space. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still remember when the iPhone was invented when I was in high school. Like I was already halfway through high school, I was about to get out of high school, and so I didn't have connectivity the way they have connectivity through social media in various ways. And so I think that with this proficiency in the tools to create. You have the hotbed of potential to create things that have never been created before at quantities and scales they've never been created yeah. uh, it's never been um, feasible right and so I think that that to me is one of the more optimistic sides and I choose to see it on that side because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. any tool can be used any given way uh, but you know you get in a room with one of these kids and they get inspired you, you never know you could be talking we, talk, we used to say things like, oh, maybe the next Billy Graham is sitting right. in the seats. 
And the way we've envisioned that is a microphone in their hand and them filling a stadium. Uh, you never know someone in here might catch a fire and take it to social media and get millions of followers. Right. You're, you're talking about the potential um, impact is uh, is staggering. And so that is, I think, one of the primary things I think about is whatever is being deposited in these young people has the possibility to be exponentially uh, grown uh, in this day and age. Yeah. So this deposit that you talk about, and I, and I agree, and Rob and I come from Gen X where I remember the iPhone being created and saying, who's going to want an app? Like, or at the time you had to pay for every app, who's going to pay for an app? And now right. they're all free, but they've revolutionized sort of technology and how we communicate, how we interact. Right. And, I, and I think there's great deposited. How are they withdrawing these deposits to make one kingdom impact? Right. And are they going to make that withdrawal? Yeah, no, that I think that's a that's a huge um, distinction because I I don't believe that anybody is well, you know I I I'll, I'll say it this way that uh, we have to be more intentional than the world is okay. yeah. on uh, on discipleship because all our young people are being discipled now, um, discipled by influencers mm-hmm. um, a lot by by yeah. a large margin. Uh, the good thing is uh, statistics are, are telling us that still the family has the highest uh, rate of influence with young people. Parents still hold that position. Uh, but right up behind them, uh, and especially on things like sexuality, social media is the yeah. place. Right. And so uh, I think that we have to be intentional where we're sowing our seeds of deposit. Uh, we got to go where they are yeah. uh, and we got to deposit in those places. We got to be present. We got to be consistent. I mean, these influencers, I, for a season, perhaps I'm still there. I don't know. On TikTok, I'm an influencer. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time when my TikTok was uh, growing by, uh, by, I still don't understand how by tens of thousands in followers, I was cranking out five to six videos a day. Like that was the daily dot for like three months straight, five to six videos a day. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that the digital space is the only place to do discipleship in this generation, nor do I believe that it is the end all be all with discipleship. But I do question if we want them to be a present good in the places that they're most attached to. Should there be a component of responsibility on us to be also present there Mm. uh, and depositing those places and being an example uh, of that and uh, and so outside of the traditional means and that's why I didn't yeah. jump into in person just because I uh, I definitely feel like that's a topic to be talking yeah, about yeah we we talked with a friend of yours Jordan Whitmer um, a couple uh, probably a couple months ago with mm-hmm. um, Gen Z Today podcast and how to life and all yeah. that and he's a he's an advocate of TikTok and yeah. getting people on TikTok and I asked him the question I'm asking you the same question yeah. is there space for guys like Rob and I to be influential, maybe not influencers, mm-hmm. but influential as 40 somethings mm-hmm. in a TikTok space. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that there is a, um, there is a longing for uh, wisdom and experience. There's a longing for example. Uh, I think that there is a saturation of peers that they want to be like or emulate yeah uh but there is definitely a a poverty on the side of people that have that have proven through a lifetime um or at least for a decade i mean these are very young people right a decade's more than half their life right Right. for a 15 year old it's more than half their life um that have been faithful and and you see that i mean the rock is not out of style and he's like one of the most followed people on tiktok it translates you know, um, and and I do think that there, uh, there is space, especially for those that are lacking um, parental figures. You know, I'm I'm in a stage of life now, being a a parent myself. That yeah. you know, once I start talking about my life and and I'm speaking into to Gen Z, I'm speaking ahead of them, um, but perhaps being the only example of something positive to come out of marriage, to come out of parenting. Uh, and so I think it tastes different. It looks different. And that in and of itself does set people apart. And there, there definitely are people on, um, on TikTok that are in their forties, fifties, sixties that, uh, that are making waves for yeah. sure. 
So here, here's a here's sort of maybe a philosophical, um, unanswerable question. But I think as we kind of think through all of these different mediums, and let's just keep it in the vein of social media in general. But hmm. these platforms are typically built for bursts right. of content, right? Not not long sustained. For example, this podcast, even though we are still intentionally, purposely choosing to do a long form podcast, podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the 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 most preferred right. methodology, right? So everything right. is built around bursts, right? Quick videos, mm-hmm. quick content, mm-hmm. Twitter handles, whatever. Mm-hmm. How do we take those quick bursts of content and information that is influential right. and inspirational and helpful a lot of occasions, yeah. and translate that into deeper level conversations? How do we move someone who catches our content from afar? How do we get them connected or can we get them connected? Like, is it just left up to them to then figure out? Like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where's, how do we build the bridge between right. between those short bursts of of content and deeper, longer, more intentional conversations about about discipleship, about faith, about right. parenting or about whatever? Like that, that seems to be like there's a there's a big disconnect there. Yeah, I think uh, the greatest thing that we have on our side is the fact that um we have systems and institutions that exist already. Yeah. Right? Like the church exists, leadership exists. Like when if we're talking about reaching people for the gospel, right? So those those things exist. On on other ends, influencers are starting reverse. They don't have anything physical, tangible when they first start. Right. And as the need or you know, the love of the fan base grows, then they start to make merch and then they start to make meetups and then they start creating businesses. We're almost invertedly, we're coming with something that is already established, something that's been here, real people, real numbers and that whole thing. I I just believe that uh, if we are going to get online, we have to see it as the ends of two bridges, right? So my online presence and my physical presence, those are the, how, how can I bridge this place to this place, which yeah. is what essentially what uh, I believe that you're asking. So one, you got to know what you have, and that will inform what you give digitally. Mm. Yeah, don't give them something that you cannot sustain yourself. Yeah, right. Uh, there are so many different types of styles of being online. You're not a merch shop, right? Like you're not going to be prank videos. Like you're not. Uh, you know, you might do creative things to engage with deep, meaningful conversations, but at the end of the day, you're not in an entertainment industry. And so right, it would right. be unwise to build a base that all they care about is just your entertainment, right? So you know there's an institution, you know there's something deeper. So you allow the institution to inform where you want to get them to, yeah. which is advantageous for the church. Second thing is, I don't think that we are proficient enough with the digital tools we've been given, Yeah. right? You know, I, Agree. I, you know, we, we were with um, uh, Bobby of version not, not too long ago and uh, he's talking about you know, the 500 million downloads of version now crazy half a billion um, but the stuff that they're doing on there um, Bible plans that yeah, you can yeah. link to your bio or challenges that, that's one thing that is huge on TikTok and I utilize a lot a lot of TikTokers utilize is monthly challenges and so you'll see me but you won't see me for just 30 seconds of engagement. I will inform you that this is a part of something bigger. And if you want more of this, you know, there, there's a step beyond watching the content. Yeah, yeah. Um, go to my bio, link in bio, you know, things like things of that nature. And so if, if, if we look at social media like a big funnel, right, like where on the macro end, I think my, my highest uh, viewed video is 1.9 million. Like I look at that. And I'm like, how does that translate into physical? Um, I have to be willing to build in intentionality into yeah. that. So if it's viewed, if it is does explode, that there are steps uh, to guide people to a reading plan. And I mean, we, we went ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm a part of a team called Jesus Clubs where we built out even a whole um, like a theology light course on YouTube. You yeah, go yeah. YouTube link and... What is the Trinity? What is baptism? What is this from various creators? Uh, and so, you know, in theory, those those are some of the practical things. And like you said, right now, philosophically, we're wrestling with, okay, from that, what is the best practices? Yeah. But that's a place to start. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It seems like there's an interesting tension in Gen Z and young adults in general is this love for everything new 
mm-hmm. in this search for everything ancient. Like they love mm-hmm. sort of the antiquity of yeah. faith and the antiquity of other things. How do we, as the church, hold those two things in tension? Because we meet at a at a very mid-century sort of building. Our church does. It has the, the this fake stained glass. Not real stained glass, but it's like that mm-hmm. plasticky stained glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looks pretty. And so yeah. I had a student approach me today and he goes, Oh, I saw pictures and I love your building. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. They don't necessarily want that content, but they love the experience of right. sort of an, something ancient. Mm. How do we hold something that's so new and something so ancient in tension for this generation? Yeah, that, I think that's so uh, interesting. I think that even is probably the catalyst of a lot of deconstruction going on because they want to get back to okay, what was this? What is this really? Yeah, yeah. At its core, when it started. Right. Uh, and I think that that's that's a part of the the going back that that a lot of them are experiencing. You know, it's it's what is the purest form of this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I and I do think that in terms of uh, style and, and trends, I think that those do have its place. But I think the question Gen Z is act, asking right now is what is the real version of this? Mm. Um, and oftentimes it's an investigation of what came before what is now and so it's you know the cathedrals it's the stained glass yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know all you know the church fathers and the great thing is like church has such an interesting history mm-hmm. and so many yeah. great things you know that god has done through the ages of the church and and man i i mean i don't know i don't know someone doing this surely it exists because the internet there's a lot of people and a lot of christians in the world um, but I think that that would be a very, uh, interesting thing to break down for this generation to understand church history a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. bring them back into the, you know, like it, right. One of the misconceptions here in America is that Christianity is a white man religion. And I'm yeah. grateful. There are several people that have right refuted it with evidence called church history. Yeah. Yeah. Geographically yeah. where it went, yeah. you know, how, how he burst from Philip into Ethiopia. One of the oldest churches in the world is Africa. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, uh, that sense that they're having right now is, is that whole deconstruct back to the purest form of it. Uh, and I think that we also have to be willing to, to see what are the layers that we're stacking on this that are non-essentials that maybe be bogging down the process. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, like, I believe that's, that is an interesting tension, but I do think that the attractional model is still so popular that we still don't know. Right. We still don't know if it doesn't yeah, work yeah. because we still have the power in, in a sense right. populace-wise. But uh, if I could say that, I think it's the spirit of what is the purest form of this and what's the real version of this. Uh, and it is looking back at how has this lasted forever through all sorts of world events. Yeah. I think one of the cool things, too, um, is that we're one of the things that we're seeing, we've already kind of talked about, you know, before the show in different places is these um, these pop up sort of um, remnant based sort of revival driven groups of young adults that are that are it's just manifesting itself in the most powerful and unique ways we've seen it on our campus you know you've you've been to a couple different college campuses and you've spoken in the chapels and you know you've talked about seeing the same thing happening at ORU same thing happening at Southeastern same thing happening Mm -hmm. at Lee Mm -hmm. like there's a there's definitely something that God is stirring amongst us and so Mm -hmm. from a from a spiritual address perspective like what is sort of the essence or the or the uh, the core you think of this this uprising this bubbling up of what God is doing across college campuses in America? Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that I think God's proving that He is going to move because He's going to move. Yeah, mm. you know, and I and I think I love I love that it's unconventional. I love that it's Gideon style. It's like, you know, I'm not going to use the strength of the church yeah. to revive the world. I, I whittle it down. I'm going to find the people that are hiding out. And I'm going to find the people that are, you know, uh, in places that you least expect it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that this generation, in part because of their curiosity of uh, of spirituality, because 
as long as humanity exists, there will be the unexplainable in terms of natural. And so mm-hmm. there's yeah. this investigation of the spiritual. Um, and you know what? I, and I've, I, I feel like a part of that is if you seek God, you'll find him. And maybe it's the few that are intentionally and honestly seeking and are finding him and and it is burning them on yeah. the inside just yeah. to, to get out and um and i think a lot of the apathy perhaps in gen z in the church right now comes from thinking that they found what they need um and because we told them that this is what they need right like the church uh, in terms of the service, that's all you need, right? Yeah, the programming, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know that these, uh, but it's so much deeper and wider than that. And I think that there are there are students that are are like, hey, that's fine, that's cool, we'll engage with that, but uh, we we definitely want to see something else. And I think God is about to reveal to them, like what He did with Samuel mm-hmm. near the ark, uh, where they're not able to discern clearly that it's the Lord, but uh, that are the, there are those that are from other generations that can discern that they're hearing. God's voice yeah. and encouraging them to continue to pursue him uh, that they may hear they may hear that message clearly yeah. and so I think it's, it's both Rob, I don't know if you remember we, we had we call her Aunt Beth Beth Moore on the show and she briefly in a myriad of great things said the, the theology of secrecy yeah that's what's done in secret is revealed publicly and I just wonder if maybe what what we're talking about what we're landing on is these kids who have been in the secret place Yep. That have been seeking God in pockets all over the, the college campuses and high schools and youth groups. If God's beginning to pull back and reveal what they've been doing, like we're seeing this exiles movement you're talking yeah, yeah. about, mm-hmm. we're seeing some great things happen at other other campuses across the country of 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 sp- not just spirit empowered students, but students of all areas of faith yeah. of the Christian faith. Sort of these revivals taking place. I wonder if it's just that they've been in secret long enough that God said it's time to reveal that. Mm. Um, mm. I don't have any evidence of that, but I'm just wondering if maybe we're in that season of of this generation sort of stepping into their Gideon moment. Well, you know, I, and, I, and and a little bit of, uh, for the listener that doesn't, doesn't know, I, I spoke on Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego on, in, um, in chapel, and... Uh, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego weren't noticeable really until it was time to bow. Yeah. yeah. And I think, man, we were really taking some hits culturally with things that are not congruent with our Christian faith. And so I think the difference is becoming more noticeable. Yeah. For sure. You're starting yeah. to see the remnant come out because they are truly indeed the remnant. They're, they're the ones that are diving into, um, you know, a level of non-compromise that... Uh, that is not popular for sure. Uh, that may cost them their lives, their reputation, the clout, the acceptance, mm-hmm. the whole yeah. thing. But that's a whole, that's a part of the revival that God wants to bring, and and that's really what to turn the nation. I mean, they had Nebuchadnezzar on his feet, you know, claiming that the God, the true God, was exactly. was their God, and, and and so I think that as uh, this remnant in private, right? Just like when when they were eating, not from the king's table, but they were eating what was kosher, right? Um, It will become more noticeable as culture continues to push back uh, on uh, biblical, you know, I think I think a significant point that you made from that message today was that they did not waste precious energy on fighting the labels that were given them, right? The Mm -hmm. names that they were given. Those were Babylonian names. It wasn't their real names. Right. So, so I think, you know, I think as, as young believers begin to divert their eyes away from the labels, Mm -hmm. stop wasting their energy on whether they are this person or that label, or they fit into this camp or that category of whatever, when they begin to turn their eyes away from those labels and really focus their eyes on their identity and understanding who they are and why they are Mm -hmm. in this culture. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where, that's where the, the shift really begins to happen. And it's, it's the, it was everything that led up to the fiery furnace that made the fiery furnace possible. Right. Right. So all the small decisions they made, all the, all the, all the little things that they did on the daily basis of, of underscoring who they were and why they were right. Right. That's what, that's what made the difference. And so, so I guess, you know, as, as we older kind of coach the next generation Mm -hmm. and as the next generation encourages themselves and they, they, they seek to 
honor God with their lives, I think it's important to note and, and to understand, like you said, that we cannot waste our energy and our time on these mm-hmm. culture identities and labels that the enemy wants to give us right. because he understands their futility. Right. Yeah. Right. He, under, right. he understands that those, those are things that are distractions, yeah. not, not, not destinations and not even destinies. Yeah. Right. right. What, what I think is so interesting about this generation is they're f- so for one another. Like they cheer each other on so well and they support one another so well. Right. And I think they've moved off the tribalism that like we had, like we, we had denominational labels or, we had this camp we were in at that yeah. camp. They are some of the most kingdom-minded kids I've ever been around. Right. Like, if you're a believer, you're one of us. Yeah. And it's all of us. Yeah. You know, there's not as many dividing lines as maybe we had in the early 2000s or the 90s when we experienced church. Like, they have this real sort of understanding, maybe not even understanding, but just acceptance of what kingdom of God is. Like, yeah. if you're part of us, you're part of us. We're going to love you and accept you if you call on the name of Christ. And I think that's one of the major distinctions I've seen is, like, they are just adoptive of one another. Like yeah. and we've yeah. seen that immensely mm-hmm. across the board. Which is mm-hmm. which is pushing all the buttons on the Yeah. On 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 the systems and the structures that we love to maintain, right? Right, yeah. And I and I think that uh you know, that's it doesn't compute for a lot of people. Right. It's like, you know, um what what is it that we get in trouble for majoring in the minors, yeah. you know, minoring in the majors. And, and I think that it has been so flipped on its head that we're like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you don't care about like the institutional framework. And I think that's an oversimplification. Of sure, what, sure. I think they honor. I, I, I do think that there is honor within this generation. Right. And, you know, God will not bless a generation that doesn't honor. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do believe that there is a new gen, uh, a new revelation for the times they're in. Yeah. They need stuff we didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. They need a, a, a type of wisdom we didn't need. We could not even comprehend what is happening right now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a thought that technology civilization would move the way that it's moving right now. The interconnectivity, exactly that, right? Like, how is God going to counteract the fact that the world is globalizing? Well, with a unified church. Yeah. yeah, we need to be more interconnected than ever, and and you know the world is mobilizing in terms of ideologies and culture quicker than than we could ever imagine on all sorts of fronts. I mean, we were talking talking with uh, our um, counterparts in Latin America for for One Hope and, and other other groups, and how quickly the secularization of their young people, even yeah. though Latin America is so spiritual, just how much these ideologies through globalization and social media is moving. And I think that, you know, God's uh, response to the revelation of this next generation is that unified oneness, right? That John 17 uh, mm-hmm. coming together and, uh, and, and it's evident, like, and like you're saying, it's like, how is this so natural for them? And I, and I just yeah. think it's a byproduct of the spirit dropping something new. It's a yeah. distillation of the necessary, right? I mean, yeah. it's it, it's 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 the refining process of what's critical and essential. And it's not it's not saying that other things or those mechanisms are wrong or bad right. or not even important. It's right. just not the starting point, right? Right? You know. And so, so I think you know. Back to your comment, Jeff, about the tribes. We we typically started with a tribe mm-hmm. and then worked our way through that tribe, right? Right. And I think I think one of the cool things about this generation, about Gen Z, is they're not starting with the tribe; they're starting with the essentials, mm-hmm. and they're working their way, you know, forward from there. Right? right? You, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like so so they're 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 asking hard questions, not about not about the traditions, mm-hmm. which seem offensive, mm-hmm. but they're asking hard questions about what's essential. Right. What do I need to survive, and how do I how do I take this right. and and do something with it? Because Everything that they want to do needs to add something to mm-hmm. their life, right? Otherwise, they, mm-hmm. they typically are, are not interested. And I know that's very stereotypical, and I'm baiting a, a very broad stroke yeah. over, over Gen Z's culture. Yeah, it's a good stereotype to have because millennials, we got that we were emo and we cried about everything. So <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that <laughs> you, stereotype. You, 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 you got black fingernails right we now. Never, you know what? We never got a redemption arc. We never, we just died the villains. <laughs> right. Like, hey, everyone moved on and, you know, it's fine. I know extras, you guys can we're feel apathetic. me on that. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, yeah. Like, you guys didn't anything. get, 
you know, uh, boomers, the hard work. Like there, there are certain levels on certain. I think Xers and millennials. We kind of got the okay, okay. This <laughs> yeah, is yeah. Lower this end is of the stereotypes. This is a great part in the show, okay? Because I know you're gonna get off on this. Go for it. This is a great part in the show to talk about generations and their superhero identities. Oh, okay, wow. okay. Wow. So Gen Xers, my I and Jeff like generation, really thought this through. What's our What's our superhero identity? You thinking like Batman? You thinking like Man. Goku? Like who we rolling oh, in? Goku, uh, Gen <laughs> Gen Xers, because you guys are like the generation that uh, is there, but we 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 uh, we forgot was there. So like yeah. Invisible Man. Oh, and oh, yeah. totally gonna- <laughs> so yeah. so in case you don't know, Ellie's like big into like superheroes and like anime and like oh, he's yeah, I am. He's into the things. Yeah, so I, I am. That's why I, I asked am, the question. Uh, I am into the things. Um, yeah, I think that you guys are uh, like Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Be, uh, yeah. right. Like down with that. where where you go from uh, Revenge of the Sith into uh, what is it? A, a New Hope. Yeah, and uh, you kind of got that in between of we don't know what's going on. Where uh, like where are they? Uh, and then on the other end, you got a little white in your beard and you're showing up with the wisdom on TikTok. Uh, That's Jeff. I just, there's, a quick no hiatus. White, there's no white in my beard and I don't even color it. I just want to stay for the record. Like I just, I'm proud. Gen I'm X proud. went into a you quick hiatus. You and will never gray. You and Dr. Khan will never gray. Okay. Okay. So, so we're, we're Xers like Obi-Wan. No, and we're, and we're definitely uh Darth Vader. We millennials we, we are Vader's. Of, uh, we, we kind of, we, we, we will get our redemption arc is coming. It's taking a lot longer yeah, yeah, than I yeah. thought, because I thought we were going to solve that, especially because all the conferences were named like reaching the millennials or the millennial, yeah, yeah. right? Simon Sinek was famous for the millennial question and all of that. We kind of never got to that point. Uh, and that's why I, I, I joke around. I was like, did we just, did we die the villain? Yeah. Um, I, I think our redemption arc is coming and then you have, uh, right. Uh, Gen Z is the Luke Skywalker, the new hope, the new yeah. hope. New yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump random because you know how I am without a script. One of the best yeah. Vader scenes in the entire Star Wars universe. Yeah. The end of Rogue One. Oh yes, the hallway scene. The hallway scene. Oh bro. yeah. Yes. That, I liked Vader. Yeah, and in that moment. I don't know if he you, was wreaking havoc. We might become this might become a I don't know like a comics like podcast, <laughs> but uh, that there's an ending. And I don't want to spoil it because it is one of the greatest endings to any Star Wars property. But the end of the Mandalorian season two, oh, it yeah. has a mirror two to that. So that's some yeah. homework for your listeners. All right, so those uh, that are Mandalorian get to the. Are you, are you a Mando? Do you I watch? know. I I am part. Of, I, oh, I have failed my generation. It is so I good. I'm not a Star Wars guy. You don't, so good. You don't need to watch it. Star Wars to yeah, yeah, watch yeah. that. Mandalorian is a standalone. It's its own it's thing. I got some bus riding to do this week. Maybe I'll. Uh, it's fantastic. Got to start that. with season one though. Yeah, yeah. season one to see. Yeah. It's so good. So that's that's how I see it, see it breaking down. I think that you're gonna you're Gen X. Y'all gonna help pull out the the Anakin. Yeah. In, in us. And uh, the chosen ones, I think we're gonna make a, a end of season return. Nice. So, so why side. do you get to be Luke Skywalker? Why the Gen Z? No, no, no. We're, we're Gen, you're, yeah, Gen you're Z. Vader. I'm, I'm why Vader. Why do you get to be Luke Skywalker? I don't know. I I, I was sitting at a conference and uh, and they 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 were kind of uh, given that title. That's and then I that was the first time that I heard. I was like, oh, we're done with us, like millennials. <laughs> like <laughs> it was the we first conference done. that uh, they. I'm sitting over here looking like an Ewok. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm short, round, like, and fluffy. I thought it's we like... were still. I thought we were still handling us. I was like, oh, we moved on, and and I'm like, you know, I, I can't be mad about it. I I just hope that they get it right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you guys almost. I hate to say aged out, but millennials yeah. hit like forty a couple of years ago. Yeah, and yeah. so he's like, hey, I think it's, it's like, they should have it figured out by now. I think we and so I've much been, drama. We just had to. We just hey, let's that, that and we got old fast. And I've been, yeah. so I was sitting in in rooms. I'm like, hey guys, like as much as I want to continue with the next gen label, and I know I still I still hold on. I'm at the the older end of the spectrum, yeah. and in my generation, I'm at the younger end. So when you yeah, say yeah. millennial, like people in their careers, they have teenagers now. Some of them, yeah, uh, like it. We've kind of moved on from that, uh, and so I think. Us, uh, the millennials, we, we because we kind of got hit on both sides, um, we definitely have become the cultural translators between older generations mm-hmm. and Gen yeah, Z because yeah, yeah. we, we kind of get uh, both sides. And that's where I'm saying I'm like, man, you know, Luke, you have the, the potential to be to be the chosen one. That's to right. To restore order. 
So here, here's a question. Let's let's jump back in a little bit more serious context. And yeah. you've traveled to a lot of churches. You've been mm-hmm. to a lot of conferences, some of the biggest ones that we mm-hmm. could name. Q Conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you name it. Right. So so you've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. You've, you've you've connected with a lot of high level leaders. Yeah. The whole podcast is based on this question. Why are young adults leaving the church and how do we get them to stay? Right. Mm-hmm. So from from your bird's eye view, from all the places you've been and what you've seen, what I guess there's a lot of questions I could ask. One, like, are what churches are doing it well, mm-hmm. and and maybe why? Mm-hmm. Like, is it more than just uh, branding, or more than just the the leaders' influence, or whatever? Like, yeah. is it that? Um, and maybe from your perspective and what you're seeing, what are some of those missing gaps that we need to focus yeah. on and work on with young adults? Yeah, that's that's such a a good question. If I gave you the perfect answer, we'd have to monetize this. We'd have to sell it. Well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's so I mean, that's, we started writing that's, a book, and that epically failed. Yeah. Right, hey, well, it didn't we fail because we never started. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what we realized is we, we would didn't, outline that never went anywhere. We didn't know anything. Yeah. Is what we realized. Like, okay, we can't answer these questions. Like, you know, that's talk to young people. I, you know, you're right on track. Most people that uh, end up writing the book, you know, it's just. I, they put words down and who knows if it means something, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I I think that uh, – speak. here's a book that I will say is one um, that has blessed me and it's a pastor. His name is Seo Hao out of uh, Singapore. Okay. And the book is called Generations. And one of the takeaways – and their, their church, uh, I think it's been around now 20 – over 20 years. Their average age has not changed from 27 years old. Interesting. And that's not because people have moved on. It's just people have a lot mm. of kids. That it stayed young. They've always attracted young people and keeping uh, just they they kept their church young this whole time and growing young and growing. Right. Yeah. It's the two things. It's not just, you know, kicking out old people and right, right. keep bringing the youth. It's young and growing. And one of the things that uh, he mentioned, and I'm like this, this one is probably the thing that we struggle with most, maybe subconsciously or maybe overtly, is the difference between um, replacement leadership and reinforcement leadership. Mm, and what they teach is that every four years, they do a cycle where their young leaders, they graduate into leadership and they don't replace anyone. Space is created for them to reinforce what exists. And the next generation comes to reinforce what exists, that the generations serve one another. I'm not here to replace you. I'm here to reinforce what you're doing. Mm. I'm here to bring the energy, right? I'm here to bring the passion. I'm, I'm here to bring what I can bring as my generation. Yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest uh, hurdles right now is we're trying to make vibrant youth and young adult ministries within the larger ministry. So we're essentially making a church within a church. Yeah. Yes. And so the fear from leadership is once you build that monster and it takes on a life of its own, a ministry within a ministry, of course, there's going to be tension of, man, are they going to, is there going to be a coup? Yeah. Like we, they raised up enough leaders to lead out a church. And so what you end up seeing is perhaps the launching of just a younger version of the church. Um, or you see active tensions in leadership where, um, you know, people are trying to make moves up into to the space. And, and I think that the biblical model for uh, next-gen ministry is intergenerational ministry. Absolutely. It is the heart mm-hmm. of the fathers to the sons, the hearts of the sons to the fathers. That, in, in that book, Generations, it, there's, there's a lot spoken about that. I'm telling you, they're one of the best churches to do it this way uh, globally. And I think a lot of the global church does look to them, um, is that they don't just train um, young people uh, in their next gen ministry to um, care about other young people, but they train their young people to care about the church at large. And the 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 biggest hurdle of that, well, one of the biggest hurdles, in my opinion, to, that prevents that from happening in mm-hmm. a healthy, scalable way. Whatever the yeah. church is, because it doesn't matter if you run twelve thousand, if you run twelve, right? Reinforcement and reemplacement are still the the same reality conversations, right? right? So, right. but one of the biggest impediments to that is this this leadership insecurity mm-hmm. from from senior leaders, right? right? So it sounds like I'm bashing a little bit. And I, right. That's not what I'm saying. It's just all of these are identity formation questions. Right, absolutely. And and being being comfortable and content in the respect that God has called you to be who he's called you to be, where right. he's called you to be. Yeah. And your confidence and your strength come from him, right? right. It's, it's this insecurity that, well, maybe they are a better preacher than I am. They're younger mm-hmm. than I am. They're trendier than I am. They're... They have more social media followers yeah. than I do. Like, and so we get yeah. very insecure mm-hmm. 
about our position, yeah. right? And it's hard to digest because I get it. It's just, but it was never our position in the first place. Right. And that's, you, you know whole, what I mean? The whole part of the scripture is my heart is for them. Yeah. Right. The hearts of the fathers for the sons. It's right. my hearts are, for, my heart is for them. Right. What is mine is theirs. Yes. What we build is for them. What build is for them now. And I love that. Like you have that duality there because at the same time, then the young people's heart is for the house. The hardest to serve here. So when you have those two components interacting with one another, that that is the church that I believe that God is right. trying to birth in the earth. It's, it's literally the church that uh, never loses out in wisdom and never loses out in energy because everyone is viable. Everyone is leading out. And, and as you're saying, the position that I have been given is a position of service. And yes. it's of service mm -hmm. unto the generations to come because I serve at a capacity for a church that should exist after I'm gone. Yeah. And that then becomes my investment. And so if the heart, if a church has a heart of the fathers for the sons, their finances will show that, their time will show that, their pulpit will show that. It is the most basic fundamental principle of reaping and sowing mm -hmm. in scripture. There you go. The investment into the, into the next generation, the relationships, the the influence the wisdom it, it right it's it's almost like you know i know we're not like naming and claiming it things but it's the right. more you give the more you get when right. in that particular context yeah well that, that you they, can't what give you're saying away enough influence that's discipleship and that's exactly. the that that's been the 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 biggest issue with people trying to find leaders and poaching leaders from other churches and having to fly a bunch of people out and and that's what pastor how would say in his book he's like all of our leadership was homegrown yeah, yeah. It, it's all our kids and our grandkids and and i think that's a healthy a healthy form uh, of church i think it's a more biblical form of church yeah and i think what we guard against because this is what we see a lot of yeah. is that you just create another silo for those students whether they right. be young, youth students or young adults right we go so we want to reach them so we're gonna create this little box that they fit in mm -hmm. on a separate night at a separate time and they're not yeah. part of the house right like and so we have this event for them essentially right. their own worship service their yeah. own pastor but it's not feeding back to the house and they're not yeah. leading in that house yeah. nor is there space for them to raise up into leaders uh, and here's hot take hot take okay that's why young adult ministry exists in the first place because we siloed a generation in their youth yeah and they never graduated from being in youth group and so we had to make youth group plus called young adult ministry and is college campus not youth group plus in its own ways? In, in ways, yeah. It's, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, youth I camp just, with I just uh, homework. Had, I just had this conversation. <laughs> I just had this conversation like last yeah. week with with another college pastor here yeah. in town. It's this this can't be youth camp plus. Right, right. Yeah. You, yeah, you know what I'm exactly. saying? I mean, this that's we we were invited to uh, something here in town this week last week mm -hmm. for young adult ministries. And the person reaching out to me said, who's your young adult, pa young adult pastor? Right. We're a church plant. We have like 35 people. We're yeah. small. Like yeah, we're yeah. just starting. And I go, we don't have one. We just have young adults in our church. Yeah. Because, I, and we may have, we're in small groups and we're going to do things for them. But my belief is we're going to platform them. Platform them. Mm -hmm. We're going to empower them. And we're going to release them because I, at 44, working on 45, I know my window's short. Mm -hmm. that my hope is that if this church thing works out for us, there's somebody come up behind me to take it over right. because at 55, I should be done at the latest. Mm. And so what my hope is, is that, that we're making space for them yeah. in the church. That's not separate from the house. Yeah. And it's, you know, I obviously young adult, I love young adult ministries are, they're amazing, you know, right. yeah, but of course. I, I think it, it was the church's response to, you know, the psychological term they extended as adolescence that everyone's experiencing mm -hmm. as well. Um, and those are real things. We're not, we're not debunking. Yeah, yeah, but those are real things. Things. But yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I, you know, if we're not careful, then we're going to have midlife ministry. Right? Yeah. You know, and that's going to oh, yeah. be the 40 and 50 year olds. And, you know, at, and at that, that point we've divided so much. You're, you're trying to run. How many more, you know, people can we hire on staff? Cause now you didn't need a young adult pastor. Now there's a position that we had to create because of a system that we created, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I do think that there are generation-specific uh, ministry moments and, and, and things that, that we can invest in. But are we investing 
at the intersection of intergenerational ministry? Are we investing right. in those mm-hmm. moments? You know, are, are we developing parents to have uh, viable conversations with their teenagers uh, in the living room? Are we giving them tools? Are we educating them in that way? Like if they do have hearts for their sons and daughters, are we equipping them to be effective in their students' lives? Yeah. Like, uh, how, how, how are we building that out instead of saying, hey, well, you know, we have a safe place for them to grow at their pace. Uh, I think taking those training wheels off and, and seeing what it can do um, in, a, in a way, you know, and that, that, that to me is at a philosophical stage because that is not the, the prop popular or the thing that is happening right now. But I've talked to several young adult pastors that are like, we don't have uh, young adult events or services. We just have young adult small groups so that people yeah. in the same stage of life can be in small groups. That's our community. We tell them, if you want to serve, if you want to get more involved in the church, that's what Sundays and Wednesdays are for. Yeah. And so I've seen that at, at, at a mega church uh, level. And so, you know, maybe those conversations should start to be had as well. And I think we've had a couple different conversations on the show about the reframing of youth ministry in general yeah. because it creates a pattern and a rhythm that's, that's proving difficult, mm. you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. to translate. Right, so yeah. um, I mean, the, the, it's an the interesting. Kinnaman and Matlock stuff, Faith for Exiles, yeah, yeah, is evidence enough of some things that we got to make some changes. When mm-hmm. they're saying 10% of kids who grow up in church and youth ministry are the resilient disciples, like mm-hmm. that should be the alarm yeah. bell that goes, hey, let's at least look at the how we're doing this, how we're delivering it, and, and see if we can't do some things to help them be connected to the larger house of, of God, the larger body of Christ, the larger kingdom right. than just the silo we call youth ministry. And that's a that's a holistic critique on the whole of the church. Yes. Right? Because yeah. also it's like okay, if we bring them to what the adults are doing, we're seeing drop-offs in the adult side and right. aging congregations. And so I that that's fair. It's like we don't have any time to lose. Our, my, you know, our I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old right now. And the other day she was born. And, and as you were telling me, Rob, you got 21 yeah. year old, like it moves so quick. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I just feel like now that responsibility, even as a parent for me, I'm, I'm thinking like when my, in 16 years, what does the yeah. church of America look like in 16 yeah. years when my daughter's an 18 year old? Uh, and, and what is my responsibility as an active member in the body of Christ uh, to that end? And so those questions are important. Those questions need to be tackled yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I do think that people are waking up to that. And I think those statistics are startling and should be. Yeah. yeah. So so as a as a millennial then who probably grew up in a youth ministry. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was a youth pastor too. For yeah, four yeah, years. I was too. Yeah. I was part of the problem. I mean, guys. Yeah, we all did. We've all been. It's like war. We're a part of the yeah, problem. Like, we're there. Like, you know, like veterans, Look, we all did our tour, you know, uh, yeah. like, I'm a hypocrite. I, um, I apologize. So how do we respond? How do you respond to that? Ellie? How do you see the church bringing in this generation into the larger fabric and not just putting them in their own space? Um, what are some practical ideas? I, I think it's uh, you have to look at how is your family ministry? You know, how how are you uh, talking about the family in church? Yeah. How are you equipping the fathers and the mothers? Yeah. Um, you know, how what, what tools are you developing for the families? I think from that will birth more holistic um, ministries. I think if we try to you know, take one generation and try to mold it into what we're already doing. Um, I don't think that that would work. I think there'd be a lot more harm than good, uh, either for the sake of the one that you're removing from their context into another, or, you know, you're just blitzing one context and just saying, all right, we're just going to do, do a radical, I don't know, uh, rock song because the youth are here. And then we got to do a slow hymn. Like, I don't think it's as simple as, all right, we'll split the service 50-50 yeah. when we have everyone yeah. in the room. Um, I, I really do uh, believe that it is the strategy of how are we equipping living room conversations with the family? Mm. Uh, and if you've noticed, man, the the zeitgeist and culture of the moments to attack the nuclear family, the biblical yeah. family, that's what it is. That's what everyone's struggling yep. with right now. And that, that to me, I, my question to the vibrant ministries or to any ministry in general, it's should be, you know, how are the families of your church doing? Mm. Not how, not even how young is your church? 
Yeah. It's like, how, how are your families doing? Because your church can be young. There were young churches back in the early 2000s that are very old churches right now. Because yeah. 20 years have now passed. Yes. Right? And they were young and they were hip. And now they're not young and hip because they didn't tackle family. They just tackled the generation, kept that generation, did their generational thing. And so I would say that the beginning practical strategy is really taking a deep dive on uh, I, the terminology my father uses, a family altar, mm-hmm. a devotional time. Uh, uh, how intentional are your families in your church with 15 minutes at home mm-hmm. of if it's the father, if it's the mother, if it's the grandparent, whoever is the guardian in the home, even if it's the student that is there intentional spiritual time happening in the homes? Hmm. If that is not happening, then it is a hard sell on saying, okay, we'll take this part of ministry and use that to influence the whole. I I don't think that we have that luxury anymore. I think that those camps have, we, we've siloed for way too long. Uh, I think the best place to look is where statistics are telling us influence is coming. Kids are still listening to their parents and yeah. they're still getting most of their values from the home. And if their parents are going to church, listening to a service and not it's not having any impact on the home the kids are learning that and the steep decline and drop off yeah. may be yeah. a part of we haven't equipped the households to yeah uh, it'd be interesting a, the numbers that come out in the, in the following years because we had really a year year and a half in some spots where where we weren't attending church and right. we were going online yeah and what we found out with that is parents were watching and kids were not participating yeah. so we lost a year of of discipleship and Christian education mm-hmm. and influence. So it'll really be interesting to see what kind of statistics, not to, to boil it down to that or, or to make it sort of numb, but what comes out of that year and a half of online watching from our couch yeah. when we weren't able to gather, especially with the, the family. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have a prediction on that. I, I'm guessing it probably isn't good. Yeah. And I think I think so. Here's here's a positive. So you, mm-hmm. you take parents like my my age and, mm-hmm. and Jeff's age, right? I have a, I have a son that's 23 and a son that's 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a lot of a lot of parents my age are realizing now, hey, we really missed it in a couple areas. Mm-hmm. You know, we were so dependent on youth ministry, we're so mm-hmm. dependent on the children's mm-hmm. ministry, we're so dependent upon, and, and not not in a negative sense. We weren't we weren't absent parents. It's just. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of default to the rhythms. Yeah, and, that was where spiritual formation yeah, happened. spiritual yeah. formation. It's like you, you let the church kind of, right. you know, lead your kids in that area right. and because the kids want to go there. They have more fun or whatever. Yeah. But I think, you know, especially for me, even even though I'm a pastor mm-hmm. and my kids are PKs mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we did all the things. They were at church every Sunday. They did, you know, they did it all. Yeah. I'm really even realizing now that there are conversations well beyond that I should have been having. Hmm. And so as as a father, and I probably speak for a lot of parents and a lot of leaders my age, you know, just because you're realizing now that you could have or should have or maybe just completely were negligent with the home conversations, Mm -hmm. it's still not too late. Right. Yeah. It's still not. It's not too late. So so I think instead of being overwhelmed with the reality of, oh, crap, I didn't I didn't do a good job or Mm -hmm. I depended too heavy on the church to do it for me or whatever the things are. Yeah. Or maybe it didn't do it at all. Yeah. Instead of being overwhelmed by that, just start with a simple conversation somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. It, it costs you nothing to encourage. It costs you nothing exactly. to invest. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think I think instead of looking at this big grand scheme of, oh, man, I missed the first 21 years of my son's life of discipling them. Yeah. You can still do that now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 100%. So that's the beautiful part about it. That's the redemptive arc in this story too yeah. when it comes to these kinds of conversations it's never too late because they're just as hungry for it now as they were as they, as they were then I, I think you John Tyson I mean? we had on the show recently said something similar he wrote that book Intentional Father which mm. yes. 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 rocked me yes rocked book. me like like in some regard is like okay here's how I failed yeah, here's yeah. what I need to do now mm. but he said to us it it's never too late to start because your voice still has weight even when yeah. they're adults right yeah, um, it's a different, it's different, different conversation. Conversation, yeah. But it's not too late. Yeah, and so I think that's a valuable thing, and it's something we've really not talked a whole lot about about this this fathering piece and this mothering piece. And I'm gonna take it a step further because I think that it has to happen. And one of the things that that Rachel and I, my wife, do we'd love to do is become sort of spiritual parents. 
because a lot of a lot of kids don't have godly parents right and so so the hospitality we show in inviting people to our couch and our table kind of helps and and listen it doesn't replace it but it may reinforce it Mm -hmm. or it or it comes alongside a parent to say something and encourage spiritual things so i think we need yeah. people to, to also consider being spiritual parents, yeah, and mentoring and, and a conversation we love to have, mentoring, investing in in students of all ages, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's a part of, um, you know, the the tra- Christian tradition was an or- it's an oral tradition, it's passed down from family to family, uh, and you can only pass down orally what you have memorized. Yeah, the work there there there's work, and I think that we are we're getting to a time where. We're in that time. We've been in that time for a while where it's not just uh, take my word for it or even take my opinion or my thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, the word of God and, and parents being, you know, the priests of the home. Yeah. You know, people leading out uh, and, and really speaking, uh, like you said, spiritually, because uh, these young people, they are so hungry spiritually. And uh, I think that the, the family, like, that will never go out of style. There will not be a greater uh, strategy for the world than the institution of the family yeah. that God has already anointed. Yeah. Uh, and I think we need to lean into what God has given us. Mm-hmm. So good. That's good. Yeah. Well, we are, uh, I don't know if we're out of time. We got time, but uh, <laughs> our listeners are probably out of time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we, listen, we've already asked the question, but maybe you have a different answer. So, we yeah. always ask the same question to our, our uh, guests, uh. and because it's here at the lovely Lee University. So, tell hmm. us one lesson you learned from, okay, I'll, any of the three. So, from Lee, you're going to ORU tomorrow, mm-hmm. or from Southeastern, which you're doing online that you learned that didn't take place in the classroom. I just shouted out three Christian colleges. You did. Way to go me. Oh man. Get those scholarships, son. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I I'm nervous. I'm like what what did I uh what did I say uh last time? No, he's your member. That was episode uh, 8. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh I don't know how to get uh, I got, I got married. I met my wife outside of the the classroom. Uh no, seriously. Uh let's see. I think that the greatest uh, lesson. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give one that leaked into Lee. I think or you and Lee were kind of. Uh, I learned this lesson at both places. Um, the head of chaplaincy, uh, and it goes in line with a, a little bit of what we're talking about. The head of chaplaincy. I was on the fence of coming to to Lee or not. And one of the signs that I asked of the Lord, I was like, you know what? Uh, if I was gonna be a chaplain, I was like, that's gonna give me finances to stay here at ORU. And I'm like. You know, I'm on yeah. the fence. I'm like, I don't have money, but this would help. And if not, you know, I'll, I'll seriously consider coming to Lee. And one thing that the head of chaplaincy said, he said, uh, when I sat down for my interview, I told him my background. I did so much work with my dad and his church and whatever. And he kind of, he stopped me and he says, you know what? Um, you know, every so often I'll sit in a room with somebody that wants to be a chaplain that comes from a very spiritually busy uh, background. And, um, you know what, I, I really feel like the Lord is telling me that, um, your identity is not what you do for him. Your identity, uh, isn't who he is. And I think that I'd be doing you a disservice, letting you join chaplaincy Mm -hmm. here. And I remember, you know, I was like, there's, because that's my sign, right? Like (laughs) end up at Lee. And when I got to Lee for the first, um, the first year, um, and this is, for all the religion majors perhaps that are listening to this or you know people that that are in ministry um you know i consider it god's grace if he gives you an opportunity to disconnect from ministry yeah Uh, and i think that outside of the classroom and and just having times of receiving uh the prayer groups on campus Mm -hmm. i don't know the lord knew i needed to get around those guys uh that were just such a um life-giving group to me and and so so what i can say is and i may have said this the first time is you know getting plugged in with the church and and doing that and and i believe that that is true um but if the lord is teaching you that it's about what he's done more than what you do that you know it's about abiding in him i think that that was one of the greatest lessons for the two years from oru to the first year here at lee Mm -hmm. 
that I took and uh, to this day to this day I remember that like if it was yesterday that he yeah. told me that and it just broke my mind because I had always tried to to do my best because I was carrying the legacy of my, my father yeah, my grandfather yeah, yeah. and my great grandfather mm. uh, and so uh, I, that's beautiful people if you need to take a break it is spiritual uh, if you're a student right now uh, find times to just find a prayer group pray with them just hang out with the Holy Spirit yeah and uh, and make that where you get uh, your passion and your fervor it's awesome it's yeah. great answer Ellie man we uh, we love you here at Lee you know that mm-hmm. uh, we love having you on the show you already know that yeah. um, and we know that uh, God has some great things ahead for you in the future and I'm not saying that in mm-hmm. just the peripheral Christian sense I you're working on some stuff and mm-hmm. we're excited about what God is going to be doing and, and hopefully some point soon in the future we can help you celebrate some of those things but yeah. we're so excited for you thank you and um man it's just been a joy to have you on the show loving you having you around and it's great to have him in person great yeah. to have him in person <laughs> yeah in the same yeah. room hey it's great to visit cleveland and and you, and you survived the uh the yik yak on you know, i did Hey, shout pirate. out to everyone that was on yik yak <laughs> while i shared you guys were too nice uh thank you thank you yeah. <laughs> awesome hey man thanks for being on the show again i uh, loved having you and as we always say hit the leadership drip you got a seat at the table bro Thanks for going on. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode helped you lead better, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may share it to our channels. We appreciate you taking time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.